Lauren Boyman is the Chief Marketing Officer for KPMG US, a big four professional services firm providing audit, tax, and advisory services to large multinational companies. She's responsible for leading the B2B marketing function, transformation across KPMG's brand and demand generation programs, including leveraging newly selected and implemented marketing technologies. She's been responsible for measurable brand perception growth, improving sales marketing partnership, and driving business growth through challenging markets. Lauren was with Morgan Stanley for 12 years and held various roles within marketing strategy and digital, including the CMO of Morgan Stanley's wealth management division. Lauren previously worked at Merrill Lynch in marketing and at Colgate in brand management. She started her career as a consultant at McKinsey and Company. Lauren served on the Rising Leaders Council in New York Cares to develop New York Cares Family Division, a unique way for parents to experience volunteering and pass along the values of community to their children. She has a BS in economics from University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School and an MBA from Harvard Business School. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for acknowledging the cringiness of you reading that <laughs> while, while I listen. It's, it's never easy for most guests. Uh, you did great. Thank you. Um, all right. So let's, let's jump right into it. Uh, for those who have never heard of KPMG, can you share with us what does it do for its customers yeah. and what, what problem is it that you're solving for them? Yeah, and before I answer that, I just wanted to say a quick hello to everyone. I love the, to see faces and those that are on video. Um, definitely makes it more personal. And Alejandro reached out truly with a cold email. And, you know, we get lots of emails from, you know, vendors or, or others. And um, I don't know what it was about this. I thought, well, it would be really cool to actually speak to this group of uh, individuals. Maybe it's... Um, uh, you know, on a long lost uh, desire of mine to be a tech founder and like my career <laughs> path just didn't take me in that direction. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you guys are, are really an interesting bunch. So I'm happy to share whatever lessons I've learned from the you know big enterprise corporate world of uh, marketing with you all. So awesome. to you. answer your question, um, KPMG is not a radio station. Um, we are a professional services firm that, like you said, offers um, auditing, tax advisory, as well as consulting services. And it's really hard to sum up what the firm does because we do so many different things. Um, when I joined KPMG, which was in January of 2020, I came from, like you said, Morgan Stanley, where I thought I was in a big, large, complex, matrixed, global organization. And then, and I thought, oh, okay, it'll be an easy, you know, transition. And I came to KPMG and it was like going from 2D to 4D. Like wow. the amount of services and um, levels of expertise that the you know, people have uh, at, at KPMG is is pretty um, mind blowing. And when um, you think about it from a marketing perspective, it's not like we have just one buyer to sell to. We have almost every single buyer in a corporation that we have 
services and solutions that are you know appropriate for. Um, so we've got campaigns that target you know our, our kind of core buyer, the the bread and butter for our services, or obviously like the board and um, you know the audit uh, committee of the board uh, for audit services. But then our other main buyers are CFOs for a lot of our you know. Finance, uh, finance transformation services or our tax services, but there's so many different roles within finance, like the controllers, um, and then finance technology. So there's you know technologists that sit within each of those functions that we sell to. Um, so a CIO, a CTO, a chief digital officer, you know whatever um, name companies go by. We also you know sell to. CHROs because we have human capital advisory consultants and we have a, what we call a customer advisory practice. So we sell to um, chief revenue or chief marketing officers. So we have a tremendous um, breadth of expertise across lots of different solutions that make um, every day very exciting here. Well, this is, this is perfect for everyone that's listening that has more than one product or uh, an array of potential customers from different industries. Um, feel free in the chat also to, especially directed at Deborah here, my colleague, the one that makes all of this possible. Um, make sure to send those questions to Deborah and for the Q&A section, we'll, we'll revert to it if it hasn't been covered yet throughout our conversation. Um, so Lauren, you, you mentioned all these products and, and, and all these different customers, right? Like services for all these different potential uh, customers. Um, when you walk into this role, are there steps, are there questions you ask yourself every time you're, you're, you're joining this new lead, leadership position? Is there a certain playbook that you go by to make sure that you're kind of setting yourself up for success to figure out what needs to be done and how to even go about it? Um, if there was a playbook, I would love to have had it. <laughs> um, so I, when I joined KPMG, the firm um, was just at the beginning stages of a marketing transformation and um, just sort of defining what that meant and unpacking what um, the group that I moved into thought it meant. Um, the group is called clients and markets, right? It, mm. The organization has since evolved and we're now marketing is now elevated and part of a, a organization called growth and strategy, which, um, which I love because we are truly connected to the, uh, the strategy of the firm. So there's a um, chief strategy officer that sits in, in that, uh, in mm. growth and strategy and also manages all of the long-term investment, um, cases and just managing the investments over time. Um, and then uh, so there's there's also... Um, and are these colleagues that, for instance, the strategy, are these colleagues that you're, you're spending a lot of time with trying to figure out what, you know, what, what the outlook for the brand for the marketing would look like? Or how, how does that work? Yeah. So, I mean, I spent a lot of time just... Uh, was on a call this morning with our chief strategy officer and, and we were in an interesting conversation about how we measure the impact that our strategic investments are having on our brand. Um, 
so yeah, we coordinated, we coordinate a lot with them. And what I rely on that group most for is uh, direction on what the business strategy is and where our marketing should be most um, focused and, and applied, because that is the biggest challenge when you have so such a large organization and so many different internal stakeholders and clients, you have um, lots of people who want your team's time and lots mm-hmm. of people who want you know, allocation of the dollars. And so half of my job is saying no to people um, (laughs) and, you know, really identifying what are the areas that we need to spend marketing investment and, and time and, you know, people resources on. So how do you you prioritize that? Like, how do you, how do you figure out what is, you know, what, what is the right uh, direction? Are there certain questions that you're always, find yourself asking, whether it's the strategist or whether it's internally? Yeah. Well, from a firm strategy perspective, there's a lot of work that has been done, but is just always underway about the overall marketplace and where growth drivers are and our overall portfolio of solutions and you know, what are the areas that we you know, need to be in because there are our base solutions and we're relied on those and known for those in the market and where are areas that we like, like any business, you know, want to invest in and become better known for and broaden our brand perception for. Um, from a, a marketing perspective, what I try and do is align the campaigns that we have, the, the investments and the dollars for marketing budget to those areas so that we're, again, you know, prioritizing and being really focused about where we spend our, our time and our resources, but also that there's some sort of self-serve or, um, you know, campaign uh, portal access for people and partners who want to leverage marketing resources, but aren't necessarily, you know, in that group of, uh, of solutions that, you know, that get that kind of support. You, you, um, it's, it's been a couple of years now, right? That you've been with KPMG. Uh, I, it has, I have been here since, uh, January of 2020. So I joined 2020. two months before the pandemic which, <laughs> uh, was kind of, of crazy. Um, what, a way, yeah, so, what an introduction to a new institution and, uh, yeah. and market. That's crazy. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was crazy, although it did. Um, I, I joined in January. Obviously, things shut down in March. So I had two months to get to know the team. And my team is dispersed across the country, which was something that was new for me because um, at Morgan Stanley, while we had lots of, of offices, they were mostly all in the New York uh, you know, metro area. And mm-hmm. so I could hop between offices or bring the whole team together on a you know monthly or quarterly basis if I needed here there's you know hundreds of marketers that sit all over the country and so it really is much more about you know digital communications and virtual so i actually think that the pandemic helped to uh, make that more normal you know i make that just more um all more effective in in working virtually mm. there are some teams that that worked like our alliance marketing team. And those are individuals who work with the tech companies that we have partnerships with like Google or IBM. Um, They had been a virtual team for 10 years. And then I have a tax marketing team that are, you know, much more traditional and they all went into our New Jersey suburban office and 
you know, work together every day of the week in person. And so, and I, um, and I want to get to that and I'll, I'll do it a little bit later on where uh, I have some questions related to like building a culture and within the team. Cause I know there's some things that you, you, you'd mentioned that in, in some previous talks and I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I clarify. And when we get there, there's something that I read today. Uh, it's a post on LinkedIn by the CMO of Zapier, uh, Kieran Flanagan. I love your thoughts on this. Uh, I thought it was very intriguing and I'm curious to know what, if you have any thoughts on this. So, and, 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 and stay with me for a second here. Cause it's, uh, I'm, I'm trying to condense it as well, since it was quite a hefty post. Uh, but Kieran states the following B2B is going to have its creator moment. We are moving into the era of personality led growth. Today, 50 million people identify as influencers. Most of these are B2C, but we'll see the same trend play out in B2B. Why? Traditional brand marketing channels are being disrupted, and we see it in the cost of acquiring a customer up 108% over the past 10 years. He mentions a number of things of what AI will do, right? AI chat is disrupting Google's blue links. AI will automate much of paid advertising, reducing it to a game of who spends more, social platforms, favorite creators versus brands. Look at their incentives. The channels that are growing favor creators, not brands. We'll see a similar boom in B2B where creators build an audience and monetize that audience by shipping products. It's the opposite of what happens today where we'll build a product and look for an audience. Um, AI will accelerate this because building software becomes easier for people. He goes on into sharing a number of things, but the whole concept of, um, of, of kind of like the, the building an audience and the influential type of leader and, and creator uh, for B2B, I'm curious, have, have you come across this? And I know that in the professional service world and where you're at now, uh, I'm curious to know, you know, are there any yeah. initial thoughts on this? So I don't, I, I, it's interesting um, perspective. I, I don't think that that B2B influencer marketing is something that's brand new. I, I think mm. that came to be when social media was, um, you know, a, a huge trend and, and everyone adopted that. I mean, you see lots of B2B influencers that um, are already, you know, very well-known and, and commonplace. Like you've got Adam Grant, you know, he he's a mm. big B2B influencer. When you think about just all those microcosm spaces, like there are lots of marketing B2B influencers that I follow or have relationships with. And um, so to me, that isn't a Gen AI thing as much as it is, a, a you know, so, or, or difference between B2C it's, as it is more just, you know, how the world works now with social media. And I mean, what is interesting or could have a potential change um, is whether or not the the trend of B2C influencers being like super famous and representing brands mm -hmm. will transition over to B2B in the same way. Like a lot of brands we, you know, have, uh, a big golf sponsorship over the last, you know, 10 years, it's evolved as a program tremendously to uh, support 
our values in you know, the DEI space. Um, we just partnered with Steph Curry and his underrated golf tour. Um, so, so it's interesting to see, like, maybe that will be something that happens more where, you know, there's less big brand, um, ambassadors that are like paid a lot of money to be mm. a brand ambassador versus like more grassroots mm, uh, niche you know, micro uh yeah niche. like more meaningful influencers that are um that really are authentic in the b2b space versus just like sticking your brand name on somebody's hat or shoulder right you know i, I haven't thought much about it. it's very interesting um but well, yeah Related to this, um, in a Wall Street Journal article that was featuring you, you mentioned the concept of authentic marketing. And um, can can you define or can you share with us, uh, for those not familiar with it, like what authentic marketing is for you, what that means? I mean, look, this is the core of, I think, just being successful in life and as a brand. Like you have to be authentic and um credible it brings you credibility in 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 who you are otherwise um this day and age i think you know people see right through you um Mm. just to continue in the sports analogy um or the the sports uh line of thinking like we have been in the golf space for a really long time and so we have um relationships knowledge um you know real credibility with a lot of the you know players in that space and so in order to as well as with our brand ambassadors um that that are, are in support of our brand um in order to like really take that sponsorship to the next level and um partner with someone like steph curry he he was most interested in the brand because of the long-standing relationships we've had and you know, all of the knowledge and experience and things that we've done over the last 10 years. So it was about our authenticity. And it was, uh, you know, even Mariah, actually Mariah Stackhouse, who's, um, you know, an LPGA star who um, recommended that we have that partnership and kind of, you know, gave us a, a boost of confidence with, with Steph to be able to, you know, make that something that was more formalized. Um, but it wasn't like Steph was looking for somebody who was just, uh, you know, paying money to, you know, put their name on his his corporate mm. effort or his, um, you know, his really purpose driven um, effort. So authenticity, I think, is at the core of everything that a brand as well as an individual needs to to do. And you mentioned brand ambassadors. You mentioned uh, obviously Steph Curry and and those types of branding opportunities. Are, are there particular uh, authentic marketing strategies? I mean, this seems like a great example, but have they been uh, very effective? I mean, is it, is it, you can't say it overall, I'm not sure, uh, you know, I don't want to blanket everything, but I'm, I'm curious in your case from, from applying some of these strategies, ha- are they effective or are there other ways in which you can have this authentic marketing with without those brand ambassadors or you know are there other avenues um i mean authenticity will stretch to any you know marketing program or or tactic that that you do um we you don't just have to have influencers at the level of you know lpga players or 
of Steph Curry. Like we mm. actually have um, a marketing influencer program for KPMG subject matter experts. So we help them with their digital presence, with their you know digital visibility, with their LinkedIn posts, with their profile, um, with helping them get out into their microcosm of a marketplace and be an influencer in their space. So. Mm. Um, and they couldn't do that if they didn't have the, you know, the credibility, the expertise, the authenticity that they have in, um, you know, the, the area of knowledge that they've developed over, you know, decades of doing what they do. So, so yeah, I mean, authenticity and, and just the concept of influencers is um, applicable from, you know, big NBA or basketball stars all the way down to, you know, consultants who um, are just really truly influencers in their space. I love that. So the thought leadership, uh, like placing a spotlight on those thought leaders across uh, a number of different niches within the services that you provide, that 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 sounds like that that is a great avenue to take as well. Uh, does that and it and it's really cost effective. It's one of the highest ROI marketing programs that we have. Wow, that was my next question. Um, for for founders that are listening, uh, I just came back from a like digital marketing conference, and there was a lot about influential marketing, right? Um, but a lot of the things. So Lauren mentioned, you know, Steph Curry and like brand ambassadors, and I'm sure those are fairly expensive, right? So like, what do you do when you don't have the resources for it? Um, I, I would love to get your take on this too, but, uh, for my end, you know, there, there, there are platforms and I'm sure you, you guys have heard of this, you know, Cameo, Cameo, uh, you can align your company brand, uh, get a, get a celebrity that's in line with whatever it is that, you know, that you are building or that you're promoting. And for a fairly smaller price, you'll not only have access, but you, you, you can reach, these celebrities, uh, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm, we can revert back to this on the Q&A side, but like, I'm curious if other founders uh, have used this before, maybe personally, I've done it for like birthdays of like my best friends, right? Like have like a famous celebrity yeah. say happy birthday and all that stuff. Um, but the but anyways, just mentioning- commercial ones are really expensive. So oh, it's the not commercial the commercial ones are very expensive. Cameo, yeah. And, and you get what they give you. So like if, most of the people who are like $300 for a 15 minute cameo, mm. if you use it for a 15 minute cameo um, commercially, it's three to $5,000 and you mm. just, so most of their like booking fees, if you booked it directly through their agent to do something similar would probably be three or four grand more. And then you can do retakes and have someone properly manage it. Got it. So, so does it sound that it is a bit of a discount or, or no, not really like it, it is a discount, but it's five grand for 15 minutes and you take what you get. <laughs> okay. Got it. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, for, uh, clarifying that. Um, not that okay. I spend any time on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I want to, I want to jump in, in, um, there's there's a uh, Forbes article uh, where KPMG you they were featuring you uh, Lauren and KPMG's 125th birthday right 125 years in 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 operation KPMG has been here for some time and you talked about brand consistency and this is something that you refer to 
going back to the problem of uh, when you have so many different, um, you know, products or services and, and divisions, how do you keep that brand consistent? Um, so I love to learn from you. How, how do you, right? Like that sounds like a really big challenge. How do you try and create a consistent brand? Um, especially where I'm guessing there might be some regulatory hurdles as well in, in, with, within the industry, anything you can share with us? Yeah. Um, geez, I'm just thinking about where you guys are coming from and like the, the scale is just so, so I know, different it's in terms of it's massive. yeah, like brand management and governance challenges that, that we have. And, um, just to make the complex even more, uh, complicated KPMG international is, um, each, each country is actually a different member firm, a different legal entity for, because of the auditing, um, purposes. So, but we are a global brand. So in mm. order to manage that and, uh, move it forward or advance or make any changes to the brand is just an incredible feat of um, collaboration and um, you know a, a global influence. So it's you know not uh, where you guys are just some, appreciate the simplicity of you make a decision and then you can go implement that decision. You don't have to talk to you know 300 countries around the world to decide <laughs> how does everybody feel about our new tagline. Um, so yeah, it's uh it's definitely uh you know lots of of challenges um, around governance, but um, we you know we manage things through templates, we manage things through um through an internal creative services team um, that does really high volume type of of marketing, just execution and and output, um, and they use our brand guidelines and are all we have work of agencies and freelancers and contractors that we work with that we keep really close tabs on around, you know, brand um, governance. There's, there's a naming process, like everybody, you know, in firms like this want their own name. And so again, you have to say no a lot. Um, and mm -hmm. there's, and there's guidelines to follow around what people can or can't do. Um, I like to come from a place of yes. So if something is, uh, you know, and, and business enablement. So if something is just makes business sense, but it you know doesn't necessarily have a ball, you know, small fine print in the brand guidelines, you know, I'll I'll say, uh, you know, let's let's do that. It makes sense and and move forward so that we don't have a lot of bureaucratic red tape. Um, but yeah, it is an ongoing challenge and everybody loves to meander from the brand. We just launched a, a new visual identity and, um, brand messaging platform about two years ago. And like immediately what happens is you roll it out globally and then each global CMO wants to, to do their own thing and make their own kind of twist on it. And, mm -hmm. uh, we call that brand meandering. So we're really trying around, uh, coordination and governance to, not let that happen what a lot of um i think we covered just a highlight a little bit of this but uh founders uh within our group are in different phases of their company journey and not just you know uh, pre-seed or seed but there's series a there's series b right the much growing faster growing teams and what advice and but regardless of the phase you are dealt with limited resources, right? Um, when it comes to prioritizing for marketing initiatives or branding, 
Uh, any thoughts that come to mind of certain questions you should you, you should keep to your you know you should ask yourself or anything that you've come across that that might be helpful? I mean, the most important thing to remember for marketing is that marketing strategy should enable the business strategy. And like you could take lots of different paths and tactics with with marketing and get really um, distracted. But I would make sure that you're incredibly aligned on what your metrics are, what your desired outcomes are, what you're trying to achieve with your leadership team, or, you know, with the CEO and, and the board um, and really manage tightly to that because uh, otherwise, you, you know, you could spend a little here, a little there, and, you know, sprinkle dollars all over and, and not be able to see anything in, in, you know, result for that. Um, the other challenge just inherently with marketing is, is measurement. Um, so, you know, you have to be really um, intentional um, if it's not digital about measuring and understanding the value that your marketing investment is producing. Um, in a prior life, you know, we used to call people that came to events and ask them, or, and it was an intermediary through a financial advisor, like, how was that event? Did you get any assets from it? Did you have uh, what you thought was an incremental movement in, in, in positive client relationship value from that? You know, because all of it isn't seen in a system or, or measured in a system. And um, so I, I think the close relationship and just being really visible um, about your marketing strategy and what you're doing so that you're not you know, surprising anyone later on about how you spend your time or your resources. And you mentioned that the best return on investment so far based on the cost was, it, it sounds, I don't know if that was it, but like that thought leadership, you know, placing a spotlight on the, on, on, on the number of thought leaders within the organization and giving them a microphone for them to be able to continue sharing their lessons learned and their insights and their wisdom for those uh, prospects for those customers that you know are aware of those thought leaders and very much value that insight so is that is that yeah. correct that's one of the routes yeah i mean absolutely we've we've grown that program from about four people to now 30 uh subject matter experts that we provide support to and if i look at um the investment in that versus investment in you know other media driven or, you know, higher cost event type of, uh, programs. Um, it is, it is definitely, uh, more bang for the buck. And I would follow that up for founders with, um, being an evangelist, right? Let's say, let's say it is a small team, but you are building something that is helping a certain niche, you know, be the evangelist for it. Uh, you know, come up with, uh, bring in an audience, come up with conversations, share certain insights, you know, five steps to improve this and that, not just something that talks about your product, but something that's just as a whole insightful to that prospect uh, that they can take away with. And then they would, they can slowly begin seeing you as that thought leader in, in that space. Uh, what are some of the most common mistakes you think marketers make? Or you've made, you've seen made. What what are some yeah. common mistakes? Um, the most common mistake is not 
caring or um, being uh, focused on on measurement. Like everyone is in a resource constrained environment and um, what people typically do, what, what I see marketers typically do is plan a program, execute a program, give really high level vanity metrics of that program and then move to program. And you will become just an order taker and have a very, you know, side seat in the table and and not be a, a you know, viewed as a strategic partner to the business if that's where you keep your, you know, your marketing department. So I have been incredibly um, focused on measurement and demonstrating the tangible value that marketing brings. And I was lucky enough to, when I, uh, when I came into the organization, there were a lot of tailwinds behind me because the firm had just uh, kicked off or had was in the early stages of kicking off what we call a front office transformation, which at its simplest is implementing a new CRM system, but at its um, more strategic level is the connection between marketing and sales and uh, having much more visibility for all of the work and campaigns that marketing has running and connecting it to last mile sales activities, which, um, you know, a lot of those things were happening just in silos before without the visibility or acknowledgement or teamwork between um, marketing and sales. So, uh, and one of the big things that I've been um, focused on is now because we have that full funnel view is getting that attribution methodology correct, where people in the business and leaders will say, um, they're not going to question what you say, oh, marketing influenced pipeline. Uh, what does that mean? Like, we've agreed together what that means or what marketing ad attributed uh, leads means. And now marketers are actually looking back and saying, what did I do that actually drove marketing pipeline and marketing pipeline that sales actually accepted? So I'm making marketers become much more analytical and backward looking so that they're not just, you know, continually in this mode of like, let me get marketing tactics out, but I have no idea if something worked or it didn't work. Well, Lauren, thank you so much again for for your time, for uh, spending your time with us here and answering our questions. Thanks for having me.